Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Innkeeper's Guestbook. I am the illustrious Innkeeper Freddy. And this episode, we are blessed with the presence of Cliff and Nancy McKay coming from not Chicago, but Sycamore, Illinois. Sycamore, Illinois. Sycamore, Illinois. So where is Sycamore, Illinois in relation to Chicago? About an hour west. Straight west of Chicago. Okay. So I love popcorn. Love, 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 love popcorn, but stovetop popcorn. Um, And I like popcorn that comes from white popcorn, not white corn, not only eating white corn like off the cob, but also white corn, just popcorn. I know out west or out in the Midwest, it's mostly yellow corn. Is that correct? We only eat white popcorn at our house. So, yeah, probably a lot of yellow corn, but we don't pay attention because we... uh developed the taste for the white popcorn years ago all right so we're on the same team right absolutely perfect perfect so do you do microwave or stovetop or stovetop she's the one to talk to about that she's a stovetop snob yeah but once you go stovetop you can't go back i agree it's the truth um i've tried so many different recipes with uh stovetop popcorn when we get to the questions later you know it's like number one skill making popcorn is like right up there for me (laughs) (laughs) it's the truth so we're brought you to D.C. We have three teens, and our oldest two have graduated from high school. Okay. And we're giving each of our children a graduation trip. So our oldest daughter chose Florida last year, and this year was our oldest son's turn, and he chose Washington, D.C. because he's a poli-sci major at Augustana College in Illinois. Okay. Score points for D.C. So where in Florida did you go? To the Gulf side. We went to Anna Maria Island, and we went to Venice, but we also um, dipped down south and went to the Everglades and to the Florida Keys. Okay, so Anna Maria Island, for those that don't know, which may be myself as well, where is Anna Maria Island on the Gulf side? Um, not too far from Tampa. Okay, yes. Yeah. west of Bradenton. Oh, okay, perfect. I'm surprised. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was what north of Cortez, and yeah, it's like one island, three towns, if I remember. Ana Maria and a couple other. I don't remember the other two names, but the whole island has three different towns. So her uncle and uh, his wife bought the property. They lived in Orlando back in the 50s, 60s, mm-hmm. after he retired from the uh, Air Force, and uh, used it as their summer or you know weekend getaway place, and then. Uh, they trans transitioned to their permanent home after they uh, retired. Okay. So I've been going there for years. Absolutely love it. Am I correct in that there's a lot of fishing that happens when you all go there? There is a lot of fishing. We don't fish that often, though. Yeah, we're not Only if we do a charter boat. Okay. I had a friend, uh, I told you, I had gone down to uh, Tampa for a wedding <clears throat> this last weekend. And a friend of mine was showing me just massive pictures of massive grouper and all sorts of fish I'd never even seen before but looked like they were heavy um and it's funny because my father grew up in Mobile Alabama he fished with his father but I've like maybe gone fishing once or twice in my life same here and I feel like I'm missing out on something like is that it's like fresh fish and I don't know. Slimy fish, worms. I don't think we're missing anything. I've never been huge fans of seafood. Um, 
I can understand the pull, that nostalgic feel. Yeah. Or so many, and a lot, of, a lot of my coworkers fish and everything, but it's never been something that it sounds good. And I just, but I've got so many other things going on, working full time and being a family man and my own interests. So it's just one of those things that's on the back burner that yeah. I don't ever really think of. I completely understand that completely. So you said three children, right? Yes. So number three is coming up. Do you know where they want to do their vacation yet? He wants to go out west, most likely the Grand Canyon. Oh. We're a big National Park Service family. We love going to any park. And I got she my got passport. passport it's a big, big deal time. for me to go and get them stamped at all the national parks. So have you been to the REI right up here? No, we did not go in it. Okay, so that is a flagship REI. There's only like maybe five, six, or seven of them in the nation. And the one in D.C. has a representative from the National Park Service on duty every day. Oh, and you so you can told go in there. To me before. I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was out of town and I, <laughs> I dropped the ball. But before you leave, I would definitely suggest um, stopping in there because if in fact you do plan to do some hiking out there, you can definitely talk with them and they have like a screen that's bigger than this where they can walk you through all the trails that you would want to take. Yeah, we love there. to hike. Um, something that Cliff and I did a little over a year ago was the 52 hike challenge. Okay, what's that? Um, it's an organization that challenges you to hike. You can look it up on the website, 52 Hike Challenge. And it's just to get people outdoors. You can do the 52 Hike Challenge. I mean, it's typically done in a year's time, typically a hike a week. But it could be done in more or less time. Um, and it's just a, a way to challenge yourself to, to get outside more, to, you know, of course, it, it's exercise. Um, so it was a, a, a wonderful experience. Some of it was local hiking for us. Actually, most of it just because of time constraints. Um, but some of it we were able to get, um, we were able to go regionally around um, Indiana, southern Illinois, uh, um, Garden of the Gods down in southern Illinois. That was just beautiful country. She laminated the... Uh... If you go back up a little scroll up that logo there mm -hmm. she printed it out and laminated it so we could tape it to the signs of the, whether it was just a local forest preserve or something a little more uh, exotic or interesting okay we uh, brought some duct tape 3m duct tape Three, some 3m duct tape okay and, uh, to uh, securely fasten it to the signs <laughs> or a post next to the area, so we could take securely. a picture. And, and then you put up, and then you put up a picture of of your hikes, uh, documenting it. You could do it on Facebook or Instagram. Yeah. Hashtag, oh, wow. 52 Hashtag fifty two hike, hike challenge. Okay, so are the fifty two hikes specifically designated, or can you choose any fifty two hikes? Any, um, because it's nationwide. I mean, it's you know, I guess worldwide. Um, you can hike anywhere. Okay. And, and in order for it to qualify as a hike, does it have to be in a specific like park location or a specific distance? They are taking your word for it. <laughs> and I mean, you don't do this lightly. You yeah. do it because, you know, you enjoy hiking and you want to challenge yourself. Agreed. Do you have a walking cane? We do, but we don't use them that often. Nothing special. I mean, it's the big, you know, like staffs. Mm -hmm. we, we do have them. I mean, technically, there are boys, but they got them at the summer camp and places like that over the years. And when you do the hikes, do you get the the um, what is it? 
the stamp or the, or the seal, or the notch, or no. the, 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 the... No, it's nothing. There's no, like, 52 hike uh, outpost or uh, kiosk you go to to get a stamp or anything. Yeah. So. But, but, but you you're documenting it, it mm-hmm. like, on Instagram, so you can hashtag, you know, 1 slash 52. Gotcha. Um, and so that way you're just keeping track of it. Cool. Well, so one of the reasons why I brought that up was um, <clears throat> last fall I went out to Shenandoah mm. um, to watch the turning of the leaves, the foliage, and they were telling me about how there is a hike that goes, they call it Chasing Spring or Chasing Summer, where you start in Georgia and you walk all the way up to Maine on the Appalachian Trail, mm-hmm. and there are people that have like the you know the walking stick, and then they have the little... What, what's the word I'm looking for? Notches? The, the notches, but they're, you know, you Almost buy like the little, little seal. Or... A little brand, yeah, but you, it's like a, a seal. Mm-hmm. And you just, you know, hammer it in okay. to the, the walking stick. Similar like a little token it. or something. Yeah, to, exactly. Uh, yeah, just like, I went here, 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 yeah. Well, we went sure. to Cuyahoga on our way here. Okay. Where's Coy- that? Cuyahoga um, Valley. In, in Ohio. National Co- Park. It's just south of Cleveland. Okay. Uh, between Cleveland and Akron, so... A lot of private land still, but uh, it used to be a national recreation area, and then around 2000, it was turned into a national park. And then we so. went to Gettysburg after that. So we went to Cuyahoga Nash- Valley National Park for two days, then Gettysburg for the history and the national stamps, and um, then here. Okay. All right. So yeah, you, you told me about that because you were thinking about... A lot of history about... and a lot of nature into yeah. this trip. Yeah. No, and that's great. That's absolutely great. Um <clears throat> I'm sure your your trip to the Grand Canyon. I don't know what next year, two years from now. Next year. Next probably year. Next year. It'll probably be just as good. Maybe some of the Southern Utah parks as well, like Arches and Zion and everything. So, have you seen that movie 127 Hours? No. I've seen parts of it. Yeah. And I read part of the book. Oh, yeah. was that where the guy gets his arm cut? Oh, gosh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Not one. I, no. Whenever I see, <laughs> whenever I see, so we're on the 52 Hike Challenge webpage. Whenever I see. This right here, I think about the guy cutting off his arm, and I'm just like, man, well, the, I don't want to get caught out there. Well, the founders are from California, so, okay. um, but this is a, a nationwide mm-hmm. endeavor. Yeah, no, no, I definitely, I, I, I love it. Um, and this is part of the reason why I do the podcast too. Um, I find out about all these different things that there's a whole group of people that are into a specific thing like a challenge or there was a group I had that stayed that stayed with me that was saying they were going to um bike down from Seattle to either LA or San Francisco um and that's like a thing you know and it's just interesting to find out about all these things that I otherwise wouldn't have known about or even known to look for so um <clears throat> you had mentioned about um so you work with 3M correct and you are a librarian. I am. I work with the teens. Yes. So what is what do you do with the library? I am in charge of the teen department. Okay. So I work with the middle school and high schoolers, although we're a small library, so I sometimes help with the younger kids too. Um, but I run all the events. We have a Dungeons and Dragons group. Um, I put together a murder mystery lock-in um, every year. I did my first escape room recently. I do um, book clubs with the kids. Um, I do a lot of crafts with them. They like crafts. Um, and then I, you know, I order books for the for the library. 
um, the, you know, there's there's paperwork. I do all the social media for the entire library. I do their Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter accounts. Uh, so I'm I'm pretty busy between. I see. You know, the programming and the ordering of books, and I um, also order the library's graphic novels. So with the escape room, I haven't done that before, and whenever I've heard about the escape room, it's always been in association with like Halloween, and it's been like scary. Um, the escape room that you did was it more was it was it a scary escape room or was it, it... wasn't? Um, it was this company that puts together the kits, Breakout Edu. You can use it in the classroom or the library. Okay. And they had different themes. And so they had ones geared for little kids, teens, adults. Um, and so I chose one that would be appropriate. The age range was middle school through adult. And it had a Stephen King um, vibe. And you had to find the clues because there was an infection that was killing people. And you had to find the antidote. And so you had to follow riddles and clues, which would unlock boxes, which would give you more clues. Um, and then finally you got the antidote and the final box had Tootsie Rolls in it hey. for the kids. <laughs> that was their reward. Hey. Not only did they survive, they got some candy. How much space did this take up? Oh, just it's in one room. Okay. And so we did it in our community room. So just one large room is needed, and it depends on how many you're having. Okay, cool. <clears throat> so you also do a blog. I do. Tell us about the blog. I co-write a blog called Graphic Novelty Squared. Um, if you're typing it in, just type in graphicnovelty2.com. And my writing partner, Kathleen, and I write about graphic novels, and we also write about nerd life. Um, Star Wars, Star Trek, um, different Marvel or DC movies, just whatever catches our fancy. How long have you been doing it for? We've been doing it for over two years, I think like two and a half. Um, Kathleen and I met at school. We were both um, going for our master's degree in library science at Dominican University. And we met in a class and um, partnered up for a project where we created a fake blog and we enjoyed it so much. We made it go go live and so we've been um you know writing together um you know she'll write a post then i'll write a post you know so so we we alternate our okay. posts it's a lot of fun and I, I enjoy it a lot in fact on this trip i was able to meet a few of my online friends in really? real life really and so that was exciting and cliff and the kids were really good sports about um meeting some of my my friends that i had that i had met through blogging and so was it like an event that you knew they would be at or it was no we contacting just, them and i'm gonna be here and hey let's meet up yes it was we we just met for lunch okay amazing so <clears throat> um graphic novel the graphic novel so can are you a drawer can you i am not an artist but my writing partner kathleen is okay and so you said that she normally does a post and then you do a post have you ever combined together to do one post um yes we have okay um we occasionally will write together and we just um 
we write part of it, then send it to the other person, then we add in and just, you know, go back and forth editing it. And then with, um, we've done some series with some other bloggers. We did a joke series of who's the best Chris, you know, Chris Pine, Chris Pratt, Chris Evans. Oh, and Chris, uh, the Thor guy, what's his last name? Oh, yeah. Hemsworth. Hemsworth. Yeah. Um, and so we each picked a Chris that we liked. Chris Pine is the best. Um, <laughs> And so we, you know, so we write together sometimes on a theme. Oh, so Not cool. only together, but what sometimes with other bloggers. They do guest posts and everything okay. too. So what are some of I the other? I get to do all of her editing. Hey. That's my pick for one of the talents or skills later. There you go. Teamwork. Teamwork. That that's that is what is needed in the world. Teamwork. Because doing stuff alone, I'm telling you, mm-hmm. it's hard. Um, so some of the other blog posts or some of the other bloggers that you work in tandem with, um, you want to give them a shout out? I will. The ones that, um, I recently, you know, met on this trip would be, um, Michael, um, and Kaylee and Jeff. So, um, Jeff does the Imperial Imperial Talker. Talker. Kaylee does, um, just Judd just dreadful and michael does my comic relief so hey guys you said michael's is called my comic relief Mm -hmm. okay and with dreadful is it like judge dread with two d's no it's actually it's dreadful but with like two l's at the end okay dreadful okay it's more of like a horror and suspense i apologize if i'm getting it wrong oh no worries no worries We'll, we'll figure it out and we'll put it in the show notes so those that are interested in checking out more can uh, definitely check out their websites. <clears throat> so piggybacking on teamwork, you all have been a team for over 20 years now. Yes. Mm-hmm. Since we were, you all were high school sweethearts. We were high school sweethearts. I like to say we, um, we spanned four decades. That sounds bad to say. But we started dating. Uh, yeah, not sure why. Anyway, um, I was looking at something on the screen, but we started, our first date was actually right, like, December of 89. We were uh, seniors in high school, still 17. So, and then we dated all throughout college and got married in the mid-90s and been together ever since, so here we are. So, that was junior year? Senior year. Senior year. Okay. Um, So, what was it about her that drew you to her? like it and how about you nancy what drew you to him he was funny and kind hey that's a deadly combo right there and i thought he was cute (laughs) (laughs) so where was your first date we went to go see a movie parenthood Parenthood. (laughs) oh wow and then we went to baker square do they have baker squares out here on the east coast uh i'm not sure sure there's a regional chain i don't think there's any. we went for pie one of those things like the bennigans are now how Applebee's is going down. Okay. Ruby Tuesdays is gone. It was one of those comfort food slash, I don't know. They were known for their pie, so we had pie at Baker Square afterwards. So, but yes. When did you know? I'd say within a year. Everyone was saying, you're not going to make it past your freshman year in college because I was going downstate in Illinois, Illinois, and she was going to NIU and, and DeKalb. In fact, I had an ex-girlfriend who uh, who mentioned her. You can tell the story, maybe. 
Cliff's ex-girlfriend said, any high school couple, they're... That long-distance relationship. It, it, you know, it dies their, their freshman year. Okay. And so I wanted to prove did. her wrong. You showed her. That's the only reason why I married him. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. But you know what? Sometimes this, sometimes that the that that uh that that battery in your back can be a great thing. So okay, um, so where'd you do your honeymoon? Galena, which is a historic town in northwest Illinois, kind of one of those towns that was um, lost in time and then rediscovered. So it's very historic. North, very northwest uh, Illinois, the Driftless area. The glaciers never touched it, mm-hmm. so it's still quite hilly. Oh, that northwest Illinois, southwest. Uh, I didn't know Wisconsin. that. It's like this little circle on a map. If you look at a, where the area, the glaciers kind of went around it. So it's an unglaciated area. So very hilly. It's right near the Mississippi River, all the bluffs and everything. Is it kind of like uh, Ireland or Scotland? couldn't tell you i'd love to go to scotland because some of my ancestry is that's our dream overseas trip if we ever have get a chance to go overseas uh we do the british isles for sure really absolutely without a doubt yeah we both have english scottish ancestry among other so yeah every but, time i see pictures of that it always just looks like the air is just so fresh like it hasn't been touched by like carpets or anything there. it's not it's near like dubuque iowa but it's you know it's just not uh it's kind of out there in the middle, not in the middle of nowhere, but you got to know about it to get to it. But it's a big travel destination. It does have a lot of bed and breakfasts, a lot of tourism, but it's got some charm. It's got a lot of, it was like steamboat, a lot of steamboat captains built their homes there. A lot of military officers, a lot of... Oh, General Grant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, General Grant has a house there. It was given to him after the Civil War. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, so is that is that the bucket list place to travel? Not to fast forward to the seven questions yet, but... Well and that seems going, like right? a that seems like a ma- amazing place to visit that I had oh, no uh, idea existed. I would highly suggest it, but that's not what was on my list. Okay. Of what I'll suggest. Well, we're gonna get two lists from both of you all. All right. Okay. Okay. We're so we're doing the seven questions. All right. So, first question: book to add to the library, and we have a librarian here. So, ladies and gentlemen, get your pens out. Put your thinking caps on, because we're about to get a list. Yes, I even put it in four different categories. <laughs> so, for my kids' um, level of books, I would choose Pink and Say, about the Civil War, When Jesse Came Across the Sea, which is about the immigrant experience, and Jenny and the Cat Club, which is just a cute old-fashioned um, old book yeah. about... Um, cats being in a cat club okay um for teens eleanor and park about first love a long way from chicago with which is a collection of short stories um historical fiction um a brother and sister staying with their eccentric grandmother and the hate you give um which is a a recent movie recent book and it's going to be made into a movie um which deals a lot with racism for graphic novels which I especially love because that's what I write for my graphic novel. Graphic novel. Lock and Key series, the Revival series, and Briggsland. And then for adult books, My Old True Love, which is historical fiction set in the Civil War, 
and the wedding. Okay, and the adult books that you said are not graphic novels, or they, or they are still graphic novels? The adult books are um, just regular books. Regular books. Okay, all right. So downstairs said you got to give me one though, the one that the, that the viewers are like, okay, yeah. The, well, that's because the one. I don't think many people choose graphic novels okay. i'm going to go with that and i would pick lock and key series which is a horror series written by joe hill and gabrielle rodriguez okay what's it about um it is about three siblings and their parents who live out in california the father is killed by a disgruntled student and so the mother and um three kids end up going to Massachusetts to the ancestral home and there is some evil lurking at his ancestral home and the teens um, have to have to work together and they have to to fight this evil um, creature that's trying to to come out okay and so it's a six book series oh wow okay how about you Cliff I had two. All right. And, <clears throat> and they are? One is called Fatherland by an author named Robert Harris. I don't think he's particularly well known, but uh, I'll just, I got the Wikipedia description up here. Uh, 1992 alternate history detective novel by this English writer and journalist, Robert Harris, set in a universe where Nazi Germany won World War II. And the story's lead protagonist is an SS officer investigating the murder of a Nazi government official who was one of the participants at the Wannsee conference. He discovers during his investigations a plot to eliminate all the attendees of the conference in order to help Germany establish better political relationship relations with the United States. So, but um, the thing I remember about this book, I read it in my early twenties, and uh, it was one of those kind of maybe a pot boiler even. But it uh, really gripped me, and it is a bit about art, all the lost art um, that the Nazis purged from all the museums. Uh, it mentioned uh, there's a Leonardo da Vinci painting, uh, Lady with an Ermine, Ermine, I don't know how to pronounce it. She had one of the stoles, mm-hmm. um, and it's still in a museum, and it was one, I think, that was stolen and re- re- recovered by you know the Allied forces or whatever after World War II. And it's back in the museum in, I don't know, it was Warsaw or Krakow or whatever. So that kind of um, hearing about that made me go look up art history books in the university library. And I took an art history class. I think either I was currently taking an art history class or shortly afterwards. And it like really, you know, gave me a, a blossoming interest in art. And I went to the Art Institute on my own, just took the train in. Chicago and just like lost myself in the galleries for hours. It was amazing. So all from a book. Yeah, that's beautiful. The other one I had was called Confederates in the Attic. Okay. Uh, let's see. Let me get to that page. I have them both up. It's by uh, Pulitzer Prize winning author Tony Horwitz. He explores his deep interest in the American Civil War and investigates the ties in the United States among citizens. To a war that ended more than 130 years previously, he reports on attitudes on the Civil War and how it is discussed and taught, as well as attitudes about race. So he just has all these different stories. He goes and talks with uh, historian Shelby Foote. I don't know if Shelby Foote is still alive, but I'd heard of him previous to reading this. He tours a lot of battlefield sites. He talks with some hardcore um, like Civil War re- reenactors. 
the guys that really that they try to they find don't break original, character or they yeah they don't break character and if they don't have original stuff they make it from the original materials wow um i think he ended up interviewing or talking to people about the last confederate widow i remember a chapter uh where basically the guy was in his 70s by then he had been a teen or a boy even during the war and sometime in the teens or 20s he married this 15 18 year old girl whatever again i haven't read it in years but i got it at the library to read on this trip since i knew we were going to gettysburg and to see some of the stuff around dc and uh i actually gave it to one of my sons to read because i was starting another book so i wanted to re revisit this novel so it's been on my mind so okay he he's very interesting uh i know another one of his books i can't remember the name right offhand i'll look it up and it was about the the new world and he goes to all these sites where all the spanish conquistadors and other explorers kind of came into the you you know the united states the the caribbean mexico what you know now is my you know uh mexico and central america goes into way more detail kind of textbooks and a lot can. more yeah. backstory not just your standard textbook yeah. some of the what what really happened or what things are really like yeah uh that's a book that i'm reading right now uh, people's history of the united states okay you heard of that book um basically howard zim he goes into uh basically the history of america all the way from like the 1500s and but basically talks about history from the perspective of the people that uh were on the losing end of the stick mm -hmm. okay so if we're talking about the native americans if we're talking about african americans if we're talking about immigrants if we're talking about um I'm trying to think women with respect to suffrage um it's really interesting when when you really delve into the history of uh, things that you may not have known before that that were glossed over that when put into their proper context lend a bit of or more than a bit of color to situations mm -hmm. um, what was the first book you said again it was Confederates in the Attic okay and that's and, the one I'm gonna recommend ultimately that's okay my pick since it's kind of ties into our trip or things that have been on my mind sounds good the other book of his that I read was called uh, a voyage long and strange rediscovering the new world so I would recommend both of them highly, even okay. though it's been years since I've read them. You know, they kind of stuck out. And that Fatherland book, mm -hmm. I reread at least once, if not twice, over the years. It came out in '92, but I read it maybe a year or two after it was out, and then reread it again in the early 2000s, and maybe even one other time. Yeah, there are two movies that come to my head. Or one's a show, and the other one. So there's the Man in the High Castle. Right. Is that kind of the perspective it's told from? Mm -hmm. I think so. The, yes. the alternate history with the Nazis winning. Yeah. World War Two. And then there's that other movie that George Clooney and uh, I think Matt Damon are in, where they're trying to rescue the art that the Nazis were stealing. Okay. Is that? I mean, does it touch on that at least? I think the art in it is sort of a sub story, an important okay. sub story. Yeah. Um, but ultimately it's about what it goes into and I remember now is that it is um, basically all signs of the Holocaust have been completely erased mm -hmm. so he's delving and going where he shouldn't go and delving into some really deep covered up stuff and because the world doesn't know ah uh, I see what you're saying there's all these rumors of what happened to the Jews because they're all gone yeah, so it's like a world told it's from their perspective. 1960s, because the Fuhrer is in his 70s now, and you know he's not really in charge of Nazi Germany or the whole empire. And basically, the Soviet, what we know as the Soviet Union, was completely conquered by the Germans. Mm -hmm. I don't remember if it gets into what the 
turning point was where, hey, this happened in real life, which is why the Allies won. I don't remember that at all, but uh, yeah, it was just a, a really deep book. It was, again, kind of a page turner. Yeah. It, but it, it was written so well, all the detail, the, you know, there's a love story thrown in, you know, with a fraulein and all that. But, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, okay. I, I would recommend it. It's a good, it's a good page turner novel where these ones by Horowitz mm-hmm. are more, uh, you know, really historical. thinking. Yeah. And they're historical. I don't know if he's actually had a fiction novel. He's, he's been all over. He's been to the Australian Outback. He's got a book called Baghdad Without a Map. I mean, I haven't read, he's got like nine or 10 books. I think he lives, at least when he wrote this one, because mm-hmm. he met some of these Civil War reenactors on his front lawn. He huh. just bought a house in northern Virginia, so the area, uh-huh. probably working for the Washington Post or who knows. I don't yeah, know. and then just uh, ran into have these guys. Yeah, maybe he lived near Manassas or something else and saw these guys kind of hanging out near his yard and was like, hey, what's up? And he'd always had an interest in the Civil War, so he kind of like took it and made this whole book from it. So That's cool. Yeah. All right, question number two, podcasts subscribe to. I'm going to go real quick because I don't really listen to podcasts. Okay. I just don't. I, there's probably some I'd love to listen to, but I don't have a lot of time. I know one now that I'll listen to, right? The Innkeeper. Or your, the Innkeeper's uh, Guest Book. There yeah. you go. But I'll give a shout out to my daughter. She listens to, is it the No Sleep podcast? Mm-hmm. Horror that. and Suspense. She loves listening to it. So I think the title comes from the fact that you listen to some of the stuff you're not going to be sleeping because you're going to listen to all the creaks and unknown sounds at night. So I can't, I've never heard it myself, but mm-hmm. I know she loves it. So I'll give a shout out. So it's like a serial podcast where it's like so. each least, episode builds on each other? I don't know. No, it's like short story collection. Like short okay. stories, yeah. All right. And I don't know if it's original or probably read, but uh, I, don't, I really don't know. But I'll give, it's called the No Sleep Podcast. No Sleep Podcast. All right. Nancy? LeVar Burton Reads. Okay. I love that man. LeVar Burton Reads. Reading Rainbow, Star Trek. I mean. And Roots. Roots. What can you, you know. Yeah, right. yeah. Gotta love Roots. Got to. Um, <clears throat> so does he read books? Does he read this fiction is, that's out there? Does he read. It's um, hashtag reading rainbow for adults. Okay. Um, he reads short stories of all genres. Okay. And these are short stories that you already know, or are these short stories that are just um, coming to him some from of them, like original content? Well, some of them I was familiar with ahead of time. I had heard of the author, um, or I had read it in a collection. But all of these um, stories that he is sharing, and he's on season two, I believe he'll be starting season three soon. Um, they're from short story collections, so they're, they're stories that have been sometimes written years ago or or even just a year ago okay so is it a jory laforge connection or do you like his voice or i like everything about lamar <laughs> so i take it your star trek over star wars yes but just by a little bit um i love both but i will pick star Gotta trek over to, uh, to star wars trekkers do you watch uh, black mirror on netflix i do not but i've heard wonderful things about it I'm, I'm watching Discovery right now, which is the newest Star Trek series. Okay. So Black Mirror is like Twilight Zone for the 21st century, mm-hmm. especially if your daughter likes a No Sleep podcast or to watch Black Mirror if okay. she hasn't watched it already. Um, and uh, in the new season that just that came out, you know, earlier this year, uh, the first episode was like a play on Star Trek. Um, but it's all just deep, deep. You all would like it. Trust me. So No, I've heard wonderful things about it. If you have Netflix watch black mirror 
and the newest episode watch that it's called uh what's the what's the episode um i man it was multiple choice i get it right um it's basically a play on star wars but the guy like takes dna from real people recreates them in a you know in the future mm-hmm. uh and digitally puts them in a sort of uh virtual reality type mm-hmm. of deal and so it deals with the intellectual side of if you create something that can think for itself that is aware that it is um sentient in a virtual world but keep it as a slave is it a slave or is it a you know it's that sounds fascinating yeah it's 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 crazy but um it's like the guy's a good guy in the quote-unquote real world but then he goes into this virtual world and he's very uh sadistic hmm. yeah anyways uh number three something that you didn't know you needed until you got it and so like i said it could be tangible or intangible i'll give you my example uh bose makes uh well they make the revolve now but the one that i like is the sound link 2 that they made this is basically a bluetooth speaker but it has really, really, really good sound quality. And uh, I use it, you know, maybe 60% of the time I take a shower. Okay. And it just fills the room with beautiful music. As well as if you're working outside or doing something, okay. you know, rather than just having it on your phone. Um, well, I'll go with something a little deeper. S- okay. Stability. Stability? Mm-hmm. Okay, why stability? Um, my childhood was not very stable. A lot of drama. Okay. And so I like stability. I like kindness. It means a lot to me. And Cliff's a, a good man and a good father. Hey, you've been together. You guys are high school sweethearts, so that stability is probably rock strong. How about you, Cliff? Well, it's going to sound like I made this up after what she said, but I had thought of my, my uh, kids or children. Okay. Not like I was anti-children, certainly. I just didn't think about it much. I didn't I remember thinking, I only want two maybe you know grudgingly three but uh i think being a father has taught me to be more you know obviously patient um giving you know uh, sacrificial so i think i needed that i know maybe that sounds like cut to the chase but no what else i can say about it believe me i get it i don't have any children but i do want children at some point and i can definitely um what you're saying is mm-hmm. what I I believe children mm-hmm. could bring to my I life. I think it's just easy to think, well, you're going to map out this life or something, and I didn't realize, well, it's, uh, or maybe I didn't uh, sometimes think about having kids as soon as we ultimately did, but it was just the perfect time. So. Well, shout out to April, Nick, and Lucas. We love you. <laughs> shout out. All right, number four, uh, bucket list place to travel. This is a place that you have been. That you would recommend for the listeners at home to travel to. You sure you don't want the 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 the, the non glacially touched place in the northwest? That's okay. What's the Still name of that place again? Galena. Uh, Galena. 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 How do you spell that? G A L E N A. I believe it's is it Latin for lead because there was lead yes. mining up there. Okay. In fact, I'll tie it in. There was a railroad. The first really successful railroad coming out of Chicago was the Galena and Chicago Union. It turned into the Chicago Northwestern Railroad, which went all the way out to Denver, Wyoming, places like that. I believe it went to Denver. Anyway, uh, it turned into a pretty big Midwestern Railroad. Uh, It's absorbed into the Union Pacific. 
today. I'm a bit of a rail fan. I got it from my dad. He I see. Modeled, he had a model railroad, Lionel trains in the basement, and uh, he's always been interested in steam locomotives. So um, my bucket list place would be uh, where my son and I volunteer. It's called the Illinois Railway Museum. It's in a tiny little town called Union, Illinois, um, about, again, an hour or so northwest of Chicago. Okay. And uh, it's the largest, pretty much by collection, it's the largest railroad museum in the country. They've got everything. They've got steam locomotives. they got uh, diesel streamliners um, and all kinds of other diesel locomotives. They've got uh, commuter coaches, kind of like the stuff you see just a block over here. Okay. On the line coming out of Union Station. Yeah. And uh, they've got streetcars, interurbans, rapid transit cars from Chicago's L. And it's just an amazing place. You said it's in Union, Illinois? Union, Illinois. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, this is the Union Inn, so i got to check it out. Mm -hmm. All right. How about you, Nancy? Mackinac Island. Um, Okay. It is an island between Michigan's upper and lower peninsulas. And we stayed at the Grand Hotel for our 20th wedding anniversary. Oh, wow. And it was just glorious. Okay. It's very um, much a splurge, but it is so worth it. It's worth it. No uh, vehicles. Oh. No, no uh, motorized vehicles. Everything. You, you take a ferry and you are taken everywhere in a horse and carriage. Okay. Or you walk or bike. Or bike. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mackinac Island? You see uh, mm-hmm. people making, um, you know, errands or uh, deliveries and they've got a bike and a little trailer or a big basket. Yeah. And with it's the Grand kind of Hotel, a, it's very fancy. You you have to dress up for dinner. Have to. You have to. All right. Yes. You know, men have to wear ties. Women have to wear dresses. Okay. But you go there knowing that you want to. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's all part, part of, of it. It's part of the appeal. Yeah. And every single room is decorated differently. It was, um, there was a movie somewhere in time with Jane Seymour and Christopher Reeve. That was it was a time traveling movie, and it was filmed there years ago, and so that's how I fell in love with it, and so that's what I wanted when we went on our anniversary trip. When would be the best time to go during the year? It's only open during the summer because it is, um, you know, up north, and so it's got a season from I think only basically April through October. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because otherwise, you're you're snowed in. Okay. Yeah. All right. Mackinac Island. M-A-C-A-N-A-W? Uh, it's actually M-A-C-K-I-N-A-C. So you think it's pronounced Mackinac, but it's the old French pronunciation. So it actually is pronounced Mackinac. So you say Mackinac Island. M-A-C-K-I-N-A-C. Correct. Okay. Mackinac Island, Michigan. Okay. I like it. Yeah, like everything's for, I guess they have a, a fire truck, and the residents don't like that there's an actual truck. You know, they have because it, it has because motorized. Yeah, they'll accept that. Hey, if something on the other side of the island is happens, burning up, yeah. we got to have the fire truck. But it's probably like cool you see thing. the ferries come out, and they have got the they got like eighteen wheelers sitting on the ferry, <laughs> and other uh, you know they got uh, delivery trucks and things. But they pull up, and there's a small little area on the pier or the the wharf, whatever you want to call it, where they can come up or even just sit there on the ferry and maybe they have a forklift or something to load stuff but after that it's all by truck or excuse me by uh, wagon horse-drawn wagon or bicycle or people pushing carts around 
how big is the island? It's not very large. I've got it's a pretty small island overall, though it's not like tiny. There's an island off the coast of uh, Miami Beach, just on the south side, called Fisher Island. Uh, it's where the Vanderbilts used to have their old mansion. It's there. Um, and you can only get to it by ferry, and there's tons of condos and golf and stuff. It's not like old world or anything, but they're all wild peacocks and everything. Okay. And I'm wondering if it's kind of like the same it's, thing in terms uh, of the size. a little size. less than four square miles, so it is okay. small, yeah, not, but again, yeah. not tiny. Yeah, that's not perfect. Like, you can run around the island and get a good run in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. All right, 50-mile detour restaurant. This is where you're going from point A to point B, and you happen to be within 50 miles of this restaurant. You're saying, you know what? We need to detour because we have to go to this restaurant because it's that good. I'm going to say Fort Wayne's famous Coney Island. Okay. Fort Wayne, Indiana. It's hot dogs. It's been there since early 1900s, 1910. Yeah, it's been there for 100 years. Still in its original location. Yeah, they had their 100-year anniversary recently. Just great Coney dogs. That's like their specialty. So. so when you say Coney Coney dog, it's like the same hot dog that you would get on Coney Island. I, I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things where the name may have just said, "Yeah, let's call ourselves Coney Island" after the famous amusement park, but it's just a famous local landmark. It's always packed, and it's not a corn dog. No. no. Okay. No. It's a hot dog no. with chili on it. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's the thing. It's like a mustard, chili, and onions with that's, steamed buns. With, yeah. That's. Our, you got a big neon sign at the back of the restaurant saying Fort Wayne's famous Coney Island. Our buns are steamed. So, you know, Ben's Chili Bowl. Have you heard of Ben's Chili Bowl here? Yes. We were hoping to go there, but we just never were near it when it was lunchtime. Okay. So, you know, there's two of them. There's the original one that's on U Street, but there's another one that's on H Street that opened up, I want to say, within the last year and a half. That's like maybe 11 blocks from here. It's like their second outpost. It may not be the same as, you know, the original original, but... um, if while you're heading out, you want to check it out, I would say definitely right. on your way out. Well, and I will give a shout out to our hometown of Sycamore. Okay. And pick Taxco Restaurant. It's locally owned Mexican restaurant with delicious food. Okay. What's the dish you should get? Oh, um, I usually get their burritos or their tacos. Yeah, their steak tacos mm-hmm. their steak tacos are delicious mexicanos so like with the with the cilantro and onion okay prepared that way mm-hmm. now taxco so is this like a tex-mex or is this straight no, mexican it's, there it's, is a town in mexico where the proprietors at least have some ancestry i don't know if he's okay. from there directly but taxco t-a-x-c-o mm-hmm. yep taxco mexican restaurant i think there is there a brother that has one maybe in the suburbs of chicago but the one we no one love is in, is in downtown Sycamore. Downtown Sycamore. All right. All right. In the home stretch, number one, talent. This is what you have an innate ability at doing. You didn't have to work at it. You just came out the womb with this. I get along with teens. Okay. I've got a, a sense of humor that they seem to like. That's good quality. Especially with teens. You know how condescending they can be at times. But then I also have, um, you know, a good handle on the discipline. So I just enjoy working with them. They're a fun bunch. Yeah, it's a deadly combo. I like it. Cliff? You know, it's hard. I've never been handy or anything like that. The one thing, though, that popped in my mind was um, editing. I think I always read as a kid so much. So I think I picked up a lot of vocabulary. Okay. Um, and just anything from, say, like Ray Bradbury. 
I never read a lot of older stuff, say like uh, it's Jules Verne and that kind of thing. I was never into that stuff, but a lot of science fiction, a lot of fantasy books. Well, and I write a lot, and fiction. so Cliff yeah. does my editing. So, so I I, say, I've got the big ideas, and he can, you know, find where I misspelled a word or I grammar and put in or, so. you know, I put in a comma that I shouldn't have or I, you know, whatever little grammar errors he, he finds and fixes. Something I didn't realize I had, but it was like came naturally, or I'd be reading a article in a newspaper or something and be like, well, I would have worded it differently. I don't know, just kind of mm -hmm. like the back of my mind. So yeah. I've got to kind of... As an amateur, I got a chance to to help out with her uh, blog, and it's kind of fun. Might be I a like calling it. right there. Mm -hmm. All right, last question. Number one skill. This is the thing you've worked at consciously. To, For me, uh, it's writing. Okay. I've always written, but the blog has put me on a schedule of where I consistently write for the blog and I you know, also do the social media for my library which again is a lot of writing because I have to create the content that's going to be put out there um, and I also do publicity for the my boys Boy Scout troop and so I'm writing up articles that are submitted into the local papers about Boy Scouts. Hey, you, that... Troop 2810. <laughs> I I uh, am embarrassed to say that I just I completely I don't know anything about social media really like I haven't gotten on doing it like I purposely stayed away from Facebook and then went to grad school and then like had to get onto it because all the classmates were were on it and everything um, but even in the time since I really haven't um, but you know in doing this in and everything it's something I'm definitely gonna have to ramp up on. Um, so it's good to see that there are people out there that are just uh, really, really gung-ho in doing it. Because you run this, you do it with the library, and you do it with the Boy Scout troop. Like, that's amazing. And I'm looking for more opportunities. Oh, okay. Well, perhaps that's a conversation that we can have in the sense of, because <laughs> I need help with social media bad. I'm telling you. Uh, but Cliff? I'm going to say it's a work in progress, something that I'm working on. Okay. Uh, I mentioned earlier, I've never been particularly handy, but I've always envied and admired people that, uh, whether it's mechanical work, electrical, anything, woodworking. So uh, one of my sons and I, we volunteer at the Illinois Railroad Museum that I mentioned, and it's, you know, they have over close to 500 pieces, you know, cars or locomotives, even some old buses, trolley buses from Chicago. And that you can places. walk through. Yeah, and operate. It's Whoa. operational. That's I should have plugged that earlier. It's operational. They have like a, a five-mile demonstration railroad. So you can ride the streamliners. You can ride behind a steam locomotive. You can ride in these old streetcars. Some of them, a lot of the stuff's over 100 years old now. Okay, I have a question. I heard that um, like way back in the day, um, you know, we didn't have private jets or anything like that. So if you wanted to go across the country... The, the super uber rich had their own train cars they would hitch to the cars. back yeah sleeping cars so I've heard that there have actually been cars that you could roller skate in that I couldn't tell you like it was a car that if you wanted to just roller skate in the back of this car you could do that you know what rich people can do anything right they? yeah they have their own private bowling alleys and I've been to Frank Lloyd Wright homes where they had a private bowling alley in yeah, the there will be blood right all that kind of stuff. Um, so I would say 
but they have a lot of private cars. Mm-hmm. They have a guy, uh, the Nevada Northern Railway, how it ended up in uh, Illinois, I can't remember for sure, but he owned the Nevada Northern Railroad mining and stuff. Uh, and he uh, had a private car called the Ely. And that's like one of this, like from 1890 or 1880-something. And it's been preserved at the museum since like the 1960s. And it's amazing to walk through. We got a chance to meet up with the guy who helped restore a lot of the woodwork recently and helped repair the ceiling. It had some water damage over the years. So he just had the key ring right on him. So he walked us through it. Beautiful woodwork and, you know, like your 1890s townhouse stuff. You're like, wow. And so is it... it are they wider than your standard car? Standard railroad car. I mean, it had to get past like with double track or make it through clearances. So tight quarters, so, but all these bedrooms, these lounges, observation decks, all kinds of awesome. Observation stuff. decks? Sure. It's like multi-story. No, uh, meaning like an open platform on the back of the car. Oh, okay. By deck, yeah, I guess I meant the platform. Okay. So when you see like the presidents going on the uh, whistle stops and waving, you know, from the 30s and 40s, yeah, and, like newsreels and they're speaking, yeah, that that kind of thing. They got like five or six observation cars. And would they have skylights sometimes? Ah, uh, skylights, I don't think so. Now I will say they do have a dome car. Okay. From the um, oh, the Zephyr. What is the from the Denver Zephyr? One of the Rio Grande Zephyrs that operated out in like uh, Colorado and Utah. They've got, it's called the Silver Pony. They got it recently. It still needs a lot of work, but it is one of the original dome cars. And um, So are we saying that your number one skill is railroad knowledge? I guess you could say that. <laughs> and what I, I guess to tie it back to what I was saying earlier, I'd like to uh, get some skills in that. I admire all these, uh, mostly men, but there are some women too that put in a lot of hours operating, restoring, ma- maintaining the equipment. There's some master woodworkers who are like re- I'm sure. re- retired now. So they are semi-retired. They have a lot of time. So they spend uh, days on end out at the railway museum just for uh, free, putting in all the work, keeping it going. And it's an operational. They've hung wire all over, so they have a streetcar line. They have the main line. They operate all the old Chicago L L cars. Oh, yeah, I definitely have to check this they out. Have a couple Illinois Rail, Railroad Museum in Galena, Illinois. Illinois Railway Museum. That's in Union, Illinois. Union, Union Illinois. Mm-hmm. Galena, what Galena was that? Galena is the, uh, that was our the, old, his, the old historic... Uh, lead lead mining town that kind of time f- forgot for a while. Okay. But now it's been rediscovered and like I said, lots of boutique stores, lots of bed and breakfast, but it's still a great place to visit. Cool. Mm-hmm. Last question with respect to the Illinois Railroad Museum. Do they have model trains there as well? They do not as of now, but they are. They're expanding. They've recently got some big uh, bequests and other fundraising. They're kind of modernizing the campus in the sense they're going to build like a modern visitor center. The old train station they have it. It's from the town over Marengo. It's from the 1850s, um, so it's one of the oldest train stations that still exists west of or east of the Mississippi. Wait, it's still operational. Some, like people can get on used. Amtrak. Well, no, no, uh, it's not used anymore. It's just oh, for the. It's just, just for the like museum. it's. But it sat there along this railroad line, which was that Galena and Chicago Union Railroad railroad line. It went from Chicago to the town of West Chicago. Okay. which was then called something else, Turner Junction. Then it kind of went northwest towards Rockford and Freeport, these towns. By the time they got to like Freeport, the lead mines had played out, so they never made it to Galena. Mm-hmm. So they continued their main line west towards the Mississippi River, like mm-hmm. a lot of the other railroads were doing. Like the Rock Island that Abe, Abe Lincoln was like a lawyer for for a while. Okay. So um, 
so they continued west instead of just going to the town of Galena but uh, and changed their name and everything but uh, so that's an original depot from the 1850s that the 1850s that was on that line and the museum is actually located on that one of the oldest railroad lines they don't have any access to it but it's still used by the Union Pacific there's a big auto assembly plant uh, a few miles west in a town called Belvedere a uh, Chrysler plant so it's still used so they get a lot of the locomotives and cars delivered on their own wheels by the uh, railroad so it's pretty cool you are an encyclopedia of knowledge as it concerns the railways and railroads that's why I like him to be my partner for Trivia Pursuit right oh wow I never lose I never (laughs) thought about that but yeah she doesn't want to play with me because I because she never had a chance to uh, win (laughs) but as my partner as your partner yeah you can't lose so Nancy Cliff thank you so much for joining me thank you it was our Uh, pleasure especially last minute you know um is there anything so we have graphic novelty two, but it's pronounced graphic novelty square.com. Um, we have what was it? The hold on, I wrote it down. It's uh breakoutedu.com. That was for the, the escape room, escape room. We have the 52 hike challenge. Uh, we have Imperial Talker, Just Dreadful, and My Comedic, comedic Relief, My Comic Relief, My Comic Relief. Um, are there any hashtags or other websites you want to shout out for, for the, the Railroad Museum? It's IRM.org. Oh, yeah, IRM.org, yeah. IRM.org. Oh, that's a great website, too. Simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else? Nothing that I can think of. A lot of, a lot of information to digest. Yeah, a lot well, of Well, the LeVar Burton Reads. And Love the LeVar Burton Reads on Love the podcast. Love that podcast. Yeah. All right, and the books by uh, Tony Horowitz. Yes, those historical account, or you know, his. Uh, I think he's just a journalist and you know, uh, writer who's uh, had that wanderlust. He's been basically all over the world and written about a lot of it. So, the best type of, of writer in the back of your mind. Woulda, shoulda, you know. One of these days, I want to read more of his books. So I've read two of them so far. So one of these days, when Sounds I get time. Good. Sounds good. Maybe after, maybe after my uh, beloved children are on their own we'll have a little more time <laughs> and you'll be able to go to uh what you say scotland yep british isles scotland british isles. england etc all right well ladies and gentlemen this has been another episode of the innkeeper's guest book i am innkeeper freddie cliff nancy thank you so much thank you and, thank uh, you we'll see you next time